expect a lot coming into the first season. Okay, now we're moving a little bit. It's definitely picking up my test, test, talking test, here. Okay, so test, it's picking test. us up. So we'll try it this way. I think what I want to see from Wes Miller in his first season is at least establish that the competitiveness that this program has had for, for you know, 30 years. But I also want to see if he's going to take what he's used at UNC Greensboro and North Carolina, which if you see North Carolina basketball, they actually have one key attribute of North Carolina that Mick Cronin always had here was offensive rebounding. Oh, yeah. North Carolina has had a history of being offensive rebound kings. So And look at how it worked out for Baylor in the national championship game. Oh, absolutely. Gonzaga didn't even stand a chance in that Jeez, game. Jeez, to watch Mark Vital. That was the thing I noticed in the first five minutes of the game. I was like, man, I mean, Baylor's getting every rebound in the world right now, and Gonzaga's not doing anything about it, and then it just kept giving Baylor a second chance. You know, so yeah, if he I think if he brings that and he brings a solid defense. I want to see how much he's going to bring from North Carolina. Because UNC Greensboro, don't forget, is a branch campus in North Carolina. I want to see how much he's going to bring from there to here. It's kind of weird to think about And if that. he's going to keep some, if he knows anything about Cincinnati basketball in, in his past, if he's going to restore that here. It's kind of weird to think that they have a branch campus that's still D1. I mean, we do too. It's called UCLA. but Yeah. Uh, huh. No, UNC has multiple D1. Really? Um, they have UNC Greensboro, they have UNC Wilmington, they have UNC Charlotte. Forgot about Wilmington and Charlotte. Wilmington, which is also in the SoCon. Charlotte, which They is made in... the tournament, didn't they? Did uh, UNC Wilmington? They have recently. Huh. They have recently. How about that? I mean, imagine if like UC Claremont made the tournament or something yeah. like that. Um, That'd be crazy. They also have UNC Charlotte, and Charlotte is in um, the A-10, I believe. Hmm. They used to be in our conference. That's pretty crazy. Actually. Conference USA. That just goes to show how big of a freaking university. But bring in a guy who is linked to North Carolina basketball. I think that's why I can get behind this. That's fair. I mean, this is this is a true John Cunningham hire. This is now his guy. He thinks that this guy can, you know, get Bearcats men's basketball back to where we know it is. Where it should be. And if we're ultimately trying to get into a Power 5 conference, is this move going to help that? I don't know. I mean, we're we're probably another five years away from that being a reality um, or even a possibility. But, um, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Um, this is John Cunningham's, I mean, not his first big hire. This is his second big hire. Um, but this is a bigger hire what do you mean? I would argue than John Brandon. What do you mean? No, John Cunningham didn't hire John Brandon. Oh, you're right. Mike Bone did. Mike Bone. You're absolutely so right. This is, this is his first. This is his first hire. Uh, if this pans out, good job on John Cunningham. I still don't like the way he handled a lot of things. Um, it's, it's crazy. The last time we did a show was before John Brandon was fired. Well, the department and the Brandon. The, it, it was called Parted Ways. Yeah. Here's, here's a crazy stat that I thought about on work, that I thought about at work uh, on Friday, or I'm sorry, on Monday, rather. Um, in our time, which, I mean, now we have a new head coach, and you're still a student here. In our time as UC students, we have seen not one, not two, but three different head coaches for UC basketball. 
Isn't that pretty crazy to think about? I mean, it is. how many how many people you will see that through. the last time anybody could have said that was the Huggins transfer era to um, Andy Kennedy, Andy Kennedy to then Mick Cronin. That was the last time. So that was 15, yeah. 16 years ago. So if you there's were, not many people that can really say that. So any student that was here from two thousand four through two thousand eight, and you'll see three head coaches actually coach a game. Think about that. That too. Yeah, I will. Yeah, that is really interesting to bring that up there because there's been so much continuity. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, for a long time it was Mick Cronin. For a long time it was Bob Huggins. I mean, coaches usually last here. Andy Kennedy was an exception. He was he was a sort of a uh, a bridge year, if you will. He almost Uh, took us to the tournament. He got pretty. Yeah, he didn't do too bad for for a bridge year. But this is this is a good hire, though. I you know I. I hope you're right. I mean, again, I don't know anything about Wes Miller. I mean, aside from, you know, the stats and whatever that I just read. But I don't know him as a person. I don't know him as a coach. But again, the Roy Williams thing is really, really helpful and really, really nice. You'll get to know more about him. We'll just hear the press conference. As I would imagine 700 WLW. I can't imagine. I mean, if they do, you can guarantee I'm going to be listening to it on the radio. Press conference is 11 a.m. on Friday. You'll be at work. I will... More than likely be, and I, I don't know if this is an in person, because it says you know that's I didn't even think about that. I doubt it. At a Friday morning press conference, at eleven a.m. inside Fifth Third Arena, I don't know if that'll be, um, but it's for some. It's for being introduced. Don't you think that you would think that it would be an in person conference? I yeah. thought. I thought because I was because he could he could get a COVID test in that time. I was listening yesterday. You might already have the vaccine. I That's was a good point. Too. I was listening yesterday to um, one of two point five the game in Nashville, and Eddie George. I don't know if you know this. If you knew this, Sean, Eddie George was named the head football coach at Tennessee State yesterday. No, I did not and hear that. There, I heard clapping at the press conference, which made me think this that was in person. And I think what they did was they had one reporter at a time go to a microphone and ask a question. That's a good idea. That's a good idea. The problem is the media room at Fifth Third is, and you've been in there, is so small. Yeah, it's tiny. It's ridiculously small. I mean, the media room, when we played at NKU three years ago, that was a giant-ass media room. Which is surprising considering that they, I mean, they do have a nice stadium. I'll give them that. For NKU, they they have a pretty nice stadium. Don't have a nice head coach. Didn't. They, well, in their time, they did. Here's the here's the thing. Anyway. And I don't mean to digress from the you know the positive of today of getting Wes Miller. And think about this. I mean, Wes Miller only became a serious candidate as of a few hours ago, I feel like. And really, he did pop up out of nowhere up until yesterday. Well, it, I shouldn't say nowhere. Because it was Eric Martin who had a second interview. And yep. then all of a sudden we see Wes Miller. We see an Ohio State assistant. You know, they're... they're Even Van case. Exel was in the talks. Again, he needs his degree, but... Can you imagine if Wes Miller hires Nick Van Exel on the staff? As an assistant coach? That'd be a... What if he hires Eric Martin? Would Eric Martin come here, though? Probably not as an assistant, no. No, why would you go from an assistant job to an assistant job? Especially when you can go... At a smaller university. Why would you, why would you move on from Bob Huggins? Yeah, yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Logistically and... The only reason why it would make sense is because you come back Cincinnati, but I don't see that happening. No, he would be in the state of Ohio, but again, yeah. he wants to be a head coach in but the state of Ohio. But this is... But again, what I like about this is it's... John Brandon, yes, was a fresh start because of the system he was bringing in, but let's be honest. He was a Cincinnati guy. 
He was. He was. This is, you know, out, not even, Tyler and I were just talking about this. Not even in the tri-state area kind of guy. I mean, he's from North Carolina, the East Coast. Yeah, that's where Gary Clark and Kyle Washington from, as you mentioned before the show. Kyle played at NC State and transferred here. Yep. Gary was from Clayton, North Carolina, went to high school there, and then he came here to play for Cincinnati, obviously. So... The, I, I like I like this because it, it's not associated with anything we've known for the last 30 years. No. No, absolutely not. All right, so... So we've got the Reds, we've got the Bearcats I basketball. I wouldn't worry too much about the Reds. I, you can't. At this point in the season, you you can't. You, have, you have to let things ride out for a while. They have to figure it... They sort of have to figure... They hit, they hit a really good stride early in the season... But, I mean, at some point you're going to hit a rough patch. And right now they're in the middle of a rough patch. Well, your and, guy comes back on Saturday. Sonny Gray does come back on Saturday, and I couldn't be more hyped about that. Because Luis Castillo just doesn't do it for me. Never has, and as far as I'm concerned. You have to admit, though, after the first will. inning last night, he struck out seven of the next ten batters. That's great, but he had a terrible first inning that cost I'm us not the gonna game. Hold, I'm not going to, you know, sugarcoat that. But... Are, are you concerned about Castillo three starts into the season? Because yes, I think it's. Uh, then again, his second start actually he did really he did very well. Was, he, oh, that was one of the most efficient. He nights. did do very well, but two out of three. Uh, he cost us opening day, and he cost us this game against was the Giants. Was it him or was it the two errors that Suarez made? I would say it's Castillo because think about how many runs he gave up in the first yeah, inning. I'm good. You give up that many runs in the first inning, you're setting a very bad tone for opening day. Which he did, I will give him that, but it was also 37 degrees. That is true, too. I mean, Suarez did make two critical errors, but at the same time, I mean, uh, I don't know. I, I don't know. Just, so you're saying you're saying that great pitchers should be able to overcome those? Yeah. I mean, you know, here's the thing, and I was thinking about this earlier today. Is Luis Castillo like Andy Dalton because everything has to be perfect around him for him to, to pitch well? I hope not. I, I hope that's not the case with him either. I, I, get, I And that's a great point there, Sean. I don't know if that actually is, but it is something I thought about. I don't know. But speaking of baseball, uh, we haven't talked about the UC Bearcats baseball team in a couple weeks. Last we talked, they had just defeated... See, now the website says number five Louisville, but I'm pretty sure they were number seven. Uh, so there's the very... things that we go by. Yeah, I don't... Just perfect game rankings or something like something that? Something like that. Why is there just an AP... I don't know, man. I guess not many not many people care about college baseball, but either way, the rankings thing needs to get get worked out. Um, either way, um, since we last talked, they have played two full series, one against East Carolina and one against UCF. Uh, they got swept by East Carolina, lost the first game 5-4, to four, second game 0-7, oh, 7-0. Uh, and then they played a doubleheader... Uh, against them on April third, they lost the first game thirteen. Excuse me, thirteen to three, and then the second game two to zero. So it's really strange how you go two really close games and two not very close games. Um, baseball's weird like that. And then the UCF, uh, excuse me, the UCF series. There was a bit of a, there was like almost like a week uh, break between these two series. Um, remember, conference play is four games against every team, and you're playing them. I think I think you're playing all of them twice, right? Not, no, you're playing. But you're playing um, some of them twice. You're playing one of them 
Okay, so you're just ECU. you're just playing ECU twice. Never mind. But you are playing four games against almost everybody in the conference. So we got um, Memphis this weekend. What times are those games? Friday. Well, hey, let's go. Well, hold on. Let's, let's finish the UCF oh, okay. first. Uh, so these games obviously will be all be on ESPN Plus. First game they really could have won, or were on ESPN Plus in that minus this one. Yeah, they lost eight to six there. Uh, in the second game, the doubleheader, they won two to one. Uh, and then God, the third game. I mean, they lost twenty to ten. Well, I don't. And then they won the next game the next day, ten to six. They were down it's, five two in that game. Yeah, and and last we talked, the Bearcats were eleven and ten. And they're now thirteen and sixteen. Now you get swept by East Carolina. That's yeah. They just played the top two teams according to the preseason poll in the conference, and they went what two and six. I mean that's not good. And not only that, but I mean East Carolina is a nationally ranked team as well. Uh, wait, are they? Yeah, it doesn't say they are on well, here. Well, they are. They're number eight. The why? Okay, I don't know. No. I'm not. I'm not going to argue with the people who designed this website. But <laughs> either way. Uh, so there are there is a doubleheader against Memphis on the 16th. That is this Friday. Uh, the first game is at 1 p.m. The second game, whenever the whenever the first game finishes. Um, so to a doubleheader against Memphis, and then the next day Saturday. Um, oh, I'm sorry. This is this is at Memphis. I should mention this is in Memphis. Uh, that game starts at 2 p.m. Uh, and then the Sunday game starts at 1 p.m. So after that, it's back home. Doubleheader against Wichita State, and then. Uh, on April 23rd, and then April 24th, they continue play at 4 p.m. and then finish off the series on Sunday, April 25th at 1 p.m. And then we'll go to the rest of the schedule as those games come up more. The conference tournament, by the way, starts on May 25th, which is a little over a month away. Um, you know, I'm, a, I'm kind of excited about the conference tournament because, I mean, the last time we saw the Bearcats play in a conference tournament, they won the whole thing. And then they went to Corvallis and they beat Oregon State. Um, be interesting to see how they were, uh, how they bounce back, um, and what they finished the season. By the way, uh, with their regular, with their with their uh, their record this year. Speaking of baseball, um, Carlos Rodon of the Chicago White Sox, perfect game through eight innings. So far? Yes. Oh, okay. He is three outs away, as we speak right now, oh, for those boy. listening, from pitching a perfect game. That's exciting. Against the Indians, who we play on Friday. That's exciting. Uh, how good are the White Sox? They're... The White Sox, right? Well, might as well check the standings. Aren't they pretty good? I they have a very talented team, and we the Reds will play them uh, in early May. The White oh. Sox right now are 5-6. and six. The Indians are 6-4. and four. So. AL Central. Okay. Okay, so we're in the NL Central. They're the AL you really, Central. Yeah, you really can't. You really can't. Look at that. We're at the top of our league. They're at the top of theirs. I mean, we're tied with Milwaukee, but... It's crazy that we don't play Milwaukee until... Um, May, uh, late May. Look at the... Now, look at the NL West. I mean, look at that. It's very, very lopsided. I mean, it's it's eight wins for... Oh, yeah. It's eight wins for San Francisco and San Diego, and then LA is nine and two... Arizona's four and eight, Colorado's three and eight, and then I mean, you look at the NL Central; it's it's pretty pretty close to being even. Well, the NL West, and this has been talked about. You have two, you have the Giants. I'm not sure how long they're going to keep their strong start going, but the Dodgers and Padres, with the talents with the talents that are on both those teams, they're probably going to win over 90 games, both of them. And then Arizona and Colorado, you don't really excuse me. Know what to expect from them? I mean, yeah, they did they did beat the Reds, and I mean, well, then again, they did. Without their best player either. Yeah, so uh, look at the Mets at the top of the standings, and they're 
in the NL Listen, East. the Mets are a good team. They're doing well. And they just signed Francisco Lindor to a huge contract. That's so. big. That's okay, big so we'll keep an eye on that perfect game. I'd like if I can find a way to pull that up on... I probably can. So I'm going to have that on here while we continue to uh, discuss all things inside the 275 loop. It's interesting, Sean. Now that high school football's not happening right now, high school basketball's not happening. Actually, I feel like there might still be... No, there's not high school basketball. Girls high school basketball, maybe. But Mm -mm. high school... That's over, too. Yeah. High school baseball is happening right now, I guess. Never been to a high school baseball game, and I meant to go to an elder game for years, yeah. so, and I said I was going to, and never did. It's just interesting, like, you know, we have the Reds, which is obviously a huge commodity around here. Bearcats baseball. The spring game is this Saturday for football. Spring game is this Saturday. I forgot about that, actually. So we'll probably get to see Evan Prater drop a few bombs, have, you know, have some plays, get a, get his chance to get his arm loose in front of a crowd. Um, we probably won't be broadcasting that. I, I'm going to be crazy busy this weekend. I know I probably won't We haven't have broadcasted. By the way, um, I want to take a minute and congratulate you on being named the new sports director of Bearcast Media. Which Thank you. On May 4th, the key, which I have right here, will officially be in your possession. So, Sean will be taking over for me next year. I may or may not be around. We'll see. But... Um, it should still be the smooth sailing that we've been having for the last three years. Yeah, and who knows? We might try to, you know, I'm excited to work together with other members of the team and try to work with social media and get, you know, photographers. because and... you've seen the involvement every single year, as I have. I really have, Because yeah. you, came, you came on when I first became sports director three years ago. Yeah, so we'll see how... I'm, I'm excited to, 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 to work with the team. I mean... Um, I'm ready to have a fun, you know, the management thing is going to be new to me. I've never really managed a team of people before, so it'll be great experience and it'll it'll hopefully be a good time. Um, Especially because... I'm excited for the opportunity. Well, listen, football season, as you know, is going to be fun. Oh, it's going to be great. Because you're going to have a top 10 team potentially on your hands. You can guarantee if we go to a New Year's Six Bowl, I'm going to try to be there 100%. I don't see why I wouldn't I be able to, to go. You, I noted to you this. If we were to somehow go to the national championship game, which obviously first you have to go to the college football playoff, the national championship game is in Indianapolis. Yeah. Can you imagine how many Bearcats fans would go to that game? would be a lot of people there. You would have tens of thousands of Bearcats fans there. Easily. I mean, what Bearcats fan isn't willing to drive two hours for that? You'd have to be old or immobile. To not go to that game. Because COVID hopefully will be... Oh, it should be gone by then. I mean, 30, well, 33% of America is already vaccinated. It is amazing for me to think about, still, that one year later... I mean, think about where we were a year ago. I don't want to. <laughs> okay, let's not do that. Ed. But where we are now... People are getting vaccinated. We're going to baseball games. Sean, I'm at the Reds game last week. A lot of stuff feels normal again. Exactly. I'm ready to go bar hopping. (laughs) I'm at the Reds game last week, and I'm just noting the smell of the kettle corn, the nice air, seeing the river in Kentucky from my view at the ballpark. Um, there's fans around me. They're, by the way, they aren't very strict about wearing masks at Great American. No, I don't think you can be. You're outside. I didn't wear my mask the entire game the entire time I was there last week. They, it was just it just felt normal being around people at a baseball game in April. It felt like spring. Yeah. To walk through, you know, the gardens outside the ballpark, you know, along the river. From where we were last year to where we are now, this is this is normalcy right here. 
It's funny, the thing about COVID is that you would never ever think of anything like that disturbing our everyday way of life. You know how they used to do the every, you know how they do everybody clap your hands at a baseball game? I used to get so annoyed that because I'm just trying to watch the game. You know what? I actually appreciate it now. Yeah, fair After enough. going a whole year without hearing that. Yeah. It's hard to it's hard to play that sound when there's no fans in the stands like they, like there were last year. I don't, do they, I don't know if they ever did. I don't. I doubt they did, but if they I did, it must have been pretty funny. On a broadcast, because that's that's one of the things you can hear on a television broadcast. Oh yeah, you can hear everything. Which I'm gonna say this, John Sadak. Ooh, this will get into our next topic. Um, John Sadak, the new TV play-by-play announcer for the Reds, really good. Fantastic. Oh, he's amazing. He's he great. He has a great voice too. Very. He's deep. a very very well pronounced and and just very understandable voice i mean he talks very smoothly he talks very loudly excitedly i mean he makes things exciting and if and he, he knows a darn <clears throat> darn yeah. amount of baseball well he worked in the minor leagues for several years and here's yeah. the thing too you listen to barry larkin who's also a nice addition to the Reds broadcast team. oh yeah jeff brandley i mean he's a rock star on radio and tv let's be honest yep. um whenever they talk about something a color analyst talks about something related to the game, John will ask a question off of that. And that can be for him to know, and it can also be for the fans to know. Yeah, and that's that's great journalism, really. It's great journalism, and it's great chemistry with your color analyst engaging. Now, Sean, you texted me something a few weeks ago that we were getting that we've been meaning to bring to do this on the show. You said that the most this is an interesting word here. The most satisfying play-by-play announcer's voice you think is. Go ahead and say it. Well, you were the one who said it to me. You should be the one who says it. Who do you think is the most satisfying play-by-play voice in all of sports? Brad Nessler. Why? I think it's an interesting. I think it's a very well. It's for. I think for me, it's more personal reasons. Um, you know, I grew up playing NCAA two thousand five. Um, the basketball, or I'm sorry, the football version, not the basketball version. Um, and everyone knows, everyone who's ever played an NCAA football game, an EA Sports NCAA football game, at least since 2005, I don't know when they started adding Brad Nessler to the mix, but anyone who's ever played knows what I'm talking about. That Those iconic calls that you hear in the game, I mean, you can you 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 hear me talking about this, and I'm sure you're probably hearing a few of Brad Nessler's calls in the game, and you know the reused, recycled clips, Lee Corso and Kirk Herbstreit are in the game, and you know whatever. And so to hear that voice on TV, and to also think that he took over for one of the most iconic play-by-play announcers on CBS, SEC on CBS, Vern Lundquist. I personally think he was the replacement for Vern. There was no other candidate that I personally could have ever said, yeah, this guy can follow up Vern. No, Brad Nessler was the replacement for Vern Lundquist. And to me, Brad Nessler has a great, exciting voice. He very much carries on the legacy and the excitement he makes a cbs broadcast of an sec football game just that much better you know i mean it's one thing to watch an exciting game it's another thing when the announcer sort of brings you into the situation and brad nessler and Vern were both very good at that now the thing about Vern, i mean 
You look at some of his calls. Uh, the the one I immediately go to was the drop pass in the Super Bowl for the Dallas Cowboys. Oh, uh, Jackie Slater's got to be the sickest man in America. The, I mean, like, you know what's funny about that is that he just said that. He didn't. He didn't like. You know, no announcer says that. No one just says that on a broadcast. But Vern did, and yeah. I think that's what made Vern very, very unique and and just fun to listen to. Was he said what was on his mind, and it was very relatable. You know, I mean, one he talked about in his documentary that that dropped pass, um, that moment, um, and that player who dropped the ball. He, you know, people say, "Oh, well, you've got to make that catch," and Vern goes. No, you don't. So there's some there's some kind of hum, human side to Vern that I think everybody loves, but but Brad Nessler is also just a great character. Um, you know, he just he's great. I mean, what what else can you say? He flo- he, mo- he he balances out well with Gary Daniels. Um, they're a great duo. Uh, they have the same chemistry as as him and Vern used to have, and I think Brad and Vern. Are- Two very similar announcers in that they're oh, yeah. very sharp, crisp. To the point. Come prepared, yeah. But they'll get excited. Oh, yeah. Nestler, you listen to Brad Nestler, and, and like I've always thought he doesn't have the most booming voice. He has that, you know, very soothing, calm voice. Not like um, a Joe Block when he's like very oh, boisterous man. coming on, introducing the game or whoever else. But again... Brad Nestler invites you in to watch whatever's going on. Did he just get hit with a pitch? Oh, he did. Oh, there goes the perfect game. There goes game. the perfect game. After, you got to be kidding me, did he actually hit with a pitch? Well, I guess we'll have to see the You can review here. this, I think. He's not, he doesn't look happy about it. He... It was a slider that went into the dirt. This is, um, obviously, Tate, for those of you listening, that... Uh, oh, I did. Oh, got him, yeah. I did. Deflected oh, my gosh. off his foot. That's the second time in the last seven years I've seen a perfect game get lost on a hit-by-pitch. One time it happened with one strike left. Yikes. That was 2015. Max Scherzer when he faced Jose Tabata of the Pirates. I vaguely remember that. But, anywho. Anyway, anyway so with, with, with Brad Nestler, listen. I've always been a fan of him going back to his ESPN. He also, he also called college basketball. He did Thursday Night Football on, on NFL Network for a little bit. And, you know, he just... I've, I've never always thought he has the most exciting voice, but again, when you talk about satisfying play-by-play announcers, he's definitely up there for me. Um, I go back to one of my favorite calls by by Brad Nessler. I mean, you know, there's the Ezekiel Elliott run in the national championship game against, or I'm sorry, in the semifinal game against Alabama. That's a good one. That's a great one, but, and this is a very recent call. Uh, it was the Iron Bowl, the 2019 Iron Bowl um, I don't remember his first name, but he was a run. He's a running back, or he was a running back for Auburn. His last name was Shivers, and I feel like his first name was Darren Shivers. I don't know why, um, but he lowered his head and he steamrolled an Alabama defender to take the lead. And I mean, Brad Nessler just made that moment so much more exciting, and he made that whole experience that iron bowl is just amazing That's one game i don't remember i did not watch oh you missed out on i know good i did one. i was at the UC. i watched i was at home watching it and oh man that was one of my favorite all-time college football games that was a fun game to watch but anyway um 
when I think of satisfying play-by-play announcers, I think of Jim Nance. Oh, Especially when you, when, you, when you watch Jim, when you listen to Jim Nance, particularly when he's calling golf. Yeah. Uh, he's a, Vern's a great golf guy. Vern is too. I still can't believe that Dan Hoare was at the uh, Tiger Woods shot in 05. Yeah, I just learned had, about that. So Dan Hoare on 700 extra innings on Sunday told at story time with Dan, he was at the Masters in 05, a few rows behind Tiger Woods on the 16th hole. When he made that incredible shot, and of Gosh. course, everybody remembers the Vern Lundquist call um, in your life, which I still need it's to the watch. name of his documentary. You need to watch I, it. I, I do need to watch that. You it's are 45 right. minutes, and it's great. I recommend it to anybody. Maybe I'll watch that tonight. Do it. Um, anyway, so <clears throat> Jim Nance, especially you know with the Hello Friends, that's a classic. Um, Brent Musburger, just because, you know, again, smooth, polished. You know, just his voice invited you in for a Saturday night. He had especially. a slogan as well that you knew the broadcast you was starting. You are looking live. Oh, it's an all-time classic. Like, I remember college game day, or Saturdays, were college game day in the mornings, and then whatever game Brent Musburger was announcing, I'd be watching. And just the feeling of a Saturday night, it was cold outside, you wanted to sit inside. It was your, fall. Your fireplace was on, you... You were, you know, you had blankets on you, and Brent Musburger was there calling the action. You know, whatever game it was, he was there. Um, Vince Scully, if you don't, I mean, for oh, those, Vince Scully. If, for those who, for those who um, love baseball, if you don't love Vince Scully as an announcer, do you really love? Vince I question Scully? you as a baseball fan. Exactly. I mean, I'm, I'm surprised Vince Scully has written Vince Scully has written a book yet. The yeah. man was the the voice of the Dodgers for 67 years. 67 years. Yeah. 1950 through 2017. Think about all that he saw in his career. Yeah. It was five years after World War II to uh, two years pre-COVID. Or three years pre-COVID. Yeah. And think of all that happened in between. A lot of history. A lot of history, a lot yeah. of wins, a lot of losses, a lot of insane moments. What, I mean, about, what about Marv Albert? Is he satisfying to you as a voice? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Kevin Harlan. Oh, I love Kevin Harlan. Absolutely. My favorite Kevin Harlan call is the Game 7 Kawhi shot. Easily. What about the... Oh, well, actually, I take that back. It was this year's Super Bowl with the guy who ran it. <laughs> or, uh, it wasn't the Super Bowl. Was it? Yeah, it was. It was the Super Bowl. It was Bowl. the Super Bowl. I was. I heard it live. That's right. Yeah, the uh, the guy streaking. That call is funny too. Um, there's a cat call that he has in MetLife Stadium. He's got, that one's he's got multiple cat calls. He's got a he's got a couple good funny calls, but no, I love the Kawhi shot call. That's an all time classic. Game seven of the second round, 2019 against Philly. Yeah, that shot was insane. That shot made no sense. A lot of people were like, "Why is the ball bouncing so much?" Anyway, what about uh, uh, Kevin Harlan? Yes, very Ian Eagles actually. I love Ian Eagle. Uh, he to me. Does not get enough credit he deserves. By the way, I um, agree. Carlos Rodon um, has just thrown a no hitter. So the first, no, I'm sorry, the second no hitter of the 2021 MLB season. That's pretty crazy. Did you know that? Um, I don't know if you saw this. So Joe Musgrove threw a no hitter for the San Diego Padres last week. That was the Padres' first no hitter in franchise history. They oh, you know what? I did hear about that because I got a friend. I I got friends that have a fantasy baseball league and. Um, and one of my friends, 
I, one of my friends had had him and was playing one of my other friends who has the worst luck and yeah got the first. How is it though that the Padres, who've been around for fifty three years, it took them that long to throw a no hitter? I don't know. Think I mean think about how many games that is. There's a lot of games. And all the pitchers but, that they and all the pitchers that they've had, they haven't had a lot. I mean, Jake Peavy was there, Kevin Brown, uh Trevor Hoffman was a reliever, so he doesn't count. Um but it, it's just dumbfounding to me. They took you fifty-three years to get your first no hitter as a franchise. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I don't know how many are there any other teams that don't have any no hitters? No, the, every team now has a no hitter. Okay. Even the Tampa Bay Rays. Yeah, they, they just went to the World Series. Well, they used to be the team that everybody would pitch a perfect game against. Yeah, that's fair. That is fair. But again, they, they just go to the World Series, which is weird to think about. I remember that, that World Series was very strange. I mean, the Dodgers beat the Rays. The whole season was strange. Yeah, 60 games. I mean, MLB couldn't figure out their stuff. That was annoying. Oh, the players, oh no, they're not making the millions of dollars. They're making millions less. Someone someone brought it up yesterday oh, no. with the bubble. We weren't even talking about that this time last year. Mm-hmm. That wasn't even a thought. This time last year you had Nothing. Well, they would show like classic games on, you know, NFL network or MLB network or whatever. But that was it. I mean, April last year compared to this year. Stark contrast. Oh, yeah. Crazy thing. Compared to the April before it. In 2019. Yeah. It is interesting to me because it was... So John Brandon was hired April 14th, 2019. Today's date is April 14th, 2021. Two years later. And it took... Kind of weird to think it took exactly two years. And Mick Cronin left on the 9th. Brandon and the athletic department parted ways on the 9th. That's weird. Crazy thing, two years later, we're doing this all over again. But again, I think you have to like the the prospects that Wes Miller brings to Cincinnati. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. I mean, I'm excited. Again, I don't know anything about him, except for the things we've already said. So I'm trying to think, like, a, a good question to ask him on Friday at the press conference. If we're there in person or if, or if it's just over Zoom. It's, it's an 11 a.m. press conference. I would hope it's in person. I, I don't know if it will be, but I don't know. personally, to me, that is a press conference regardless of the situation you have to have in person. Just, I mean, you're getting hired by UC. I mean, I, I, personally, that's, that's just my opinion. The magnitude of this, of this, you know, it's not a press conference like, oh, yeah, so-and-so's hurt or whatever. Here's like, the thing. I remember Brandon's press conference. I walk in there, you can't, you could not move. You had everybody from the athletic department. You had the head coaches of other teams. Oh, well, think about who he was replacing. True. You had the players. That's a great point, Sean, you bring up there. Is it because he's replacing John Brandon only after two years that it may not be as well attended? Well, COVID. The baseball team is going to be out of town. Football's probably going to be at practice. No, they won't. They, don't. they won't? They practice on Saturday. I would think Luke Fickle will be there. 
Yeah, there were some texts that actually were exchanged between Fickle and Brandon about the whole process being a little screwed up, so that's really... No one's really talking about that. Here's the thing about John Cunningham. He may have gotten his hire right. And if he does, great. It'll make me feel better about it. But think about this. I still don't like the way he handled the situation. No. Think about this. He takes over as athletic director on December 18th of 2019. In the first 100 days... Or here's what should have happened. Not, not, forget the 100 days. The second Luke Fickle walks into the Lindner Athletic Center on that Monday, after the whole Michigan State rumors were swirling around, <laughs> contract extension should have started right there. That Thursday, remember when Luke Fickle got a standing ovation at the basketball game that night? Oh, yeah, that was the Memphis game, wasn't it? That He should have had a contract extension in his hand that morning. Yeah. Cause I, I remember he walked in, and I think somebody got a dunk or made a three or someone made a basket of some kind, and, and the whole stadium just... I was literally like... I mean, I I worked next to Fixel, Fickle for two years, but, I mean, I was literally all of 15 feet from where he was standing in the, in the student section, and, you know, a lot of the guys that were, like, in front of me and behind me, and, you know... We made a basket, and they all, like, looked at Luke Fickle, and they're like, that was you, like, you did that, and he was smiling, having a good time, it was, it was funny, but. I'm just, I'm just fearing, though, that John Cunningham doesn't know what he has in Luke Fickle, and the, and the contract extension that Luke Fickle ultimately got. Needed, deserved. Was privately funded. Which is good. I'm all for private. It is good, but was that because the the donors and boost the donors and whoever you know pooled the money together, was that a result of being nervous that John Cunningham was never going to actually give Luke Fickle the extension? No, I don't think so. I think they just didn't want to pay more university money to this guy, which I I mean, heck, I would rather that I would rather have all coaches' salaries be privately funded money, think which isn't entirely possible. Especially with the small sports. I think the bigger concern for Luke Fickle is if he's going to actually get that football um, locker room renovations. That You know, it's, I mean, it's supposed to happen. Here's the thing. With the way the university has been spending money in the last 10 years, I mean, you have, you know, Nippert Stadium press box. You have Fifth Third Arena. Calhoun is getting renovated for $80 million. Uh, I think Sadal is going to be followed up immediately after that, um, which, I mean, literally after this school year, Calhoun is under construction. Um, and it's going to be closed for an entire year due to that construction. But Well, that's going to... That is... I don't like it, personally. They're changing the style of dorm. But anyway, I'm not going to get into that. Um, I mean, I don't know how much money they're going to pour into a new locker room. It's not going to be $80 million. It's likely going to be like... Eh, probably $15 million, if I had to guess, but that's a lot of money. I mean, that's that's not exactly pocket change, even for a big public university. It's not pocket change. Um, you know, and, and, and frankly, UC students, one thing they've been calling for is transparency with how we're spending our money. And a lot of it does go towards athletics, but a lot of our money also comes from athletics. So, I mean, it's not $80 million, but... You know, it's it's a couple million. Of, uh, I think football and basketball combined for maybe around $4 million. I mean, obviously last year they struggled because of COVID, but TV deals, fan attendance, you know, that kind of thing. But, yeah, I mean, it's going to be an expensive renovation. I don't know when it's going to start. Um, it's going to happen because um, I remember when we actually saw the, the designs, like the images that have been leaked on the Internet. 
I, I saw those in Luke Fickle's office before they were leaked on the internet, so I just wasn't allowed to say anything about it. But we'll see. I mean, the locker room we have now is nice. It's not a bad it locker room. It does look very nice. It's not a bad locker room by any means. It's just that, you know, the way that sports are being branded nowadays, you know, like you have to appeal to student athletes by having these stupid, nice locker rooms and, and that kind of stuff. It's it's almost like sports is kind of losing its its uh, appeal. Uh, you know, it's like, oh, it's all about the flashiness and whatever. I, I'm getting into some well, look, so, I'm no, getting into some sports. Look at the NFL. The Cowboys get Jerry World, as they call it, AT&T Stadium. Okay, and that's the NFL. Every single, uh, every other team now. Atlanta, Minnesota, San Francisco. Uh, Chargers. And, yeah, L.A., Indianapolis, they all have these crown jewels, these palaces of NFL stadiums. I'm surprised the Saints haven't gotten theirs yet. Well, they kind of do. I mean, the Superdome's... The Superdome... It's old, but it's a beauty. It's one of the most iconic venues in all of sports. Yeah. But did you know it's built on a graveyard? I actually feel like I've read that before, but I forgot about that detail. Kind of cool. One stadium I want to go to. I mean, that, I mean it's an iconic venue because it's, it's hosted... College football, Super Bowls, uh, Final Fours. I mean, it's hosted political debates. It's not just it's not just you know the home of the Saints. It's a lot more than that. I mean, it it is one of the most multi. It's one of the most famous multi-purpose venues in the country, if not the world. Probably though, I think the Pope visited there. That's pretty cool. To think the Pope visited the Superdome. Yeah. Be like if the president visited, I don't know, uh, Wembley, I guess. I don't even know. Wembley, um, Parc de Princes in France, Maracana. I don't really know any stadiums in Europe. I think if he visited Maracana, because that's a famous venue down in Brazil. That is a pretty, yeah, that is pretty famous. Poor Brazil, poor Rio. The Olympics wrecked them. Either way, um, well, financially, oh, oh, financially, I mean, they didn't. What city has what city has recovered or benefited? Los Angeles. That's it. No, Atlanta. Uh, Atlanta took a hit. London didn't do too bad. Uh, I mean, they got. I mean, they got a lot of tourism. Did you remember the the uh, Olympics are the summer? They are. Yeah, Tokyo is going to do just fine. Tokyo will be perfectly fine. Um, That's a perfectly fine city. Um, oh, as well, speaking of which, Hideki uh, Matsuyama, the first Japanese man to win the Masters, won last week, which is which is huge for them. I mean, that's what that's what Japan deserves for getting the Olympics canceled last year and that perfect logo that they had designed. That poor person who ever designed that, I feel really bad for them because that was the most perfect logo in pretty much sports history. I mean, the way it worked out and everything it was beautiful. Either way. Uh, Masters was fun to watch last weekend. I know this isn't this is getting outside of this, the two seventy five loop, but um, where were we? We were talking about John Cunningham and and, and the hires and you, God, ju- you just you just hope that it works out. Yeah, because it can boost his credibility. Because let's not forget, he is a first time athletic director. And I was yeah. and I was hopeful when he came in because I wanted to see what he can do. Um. He hasn't done a whole lot yet, but this does give me some hope. Yeah. Especially because this is, as much as UC may now be a football school, 
This is the men's basketball program. It's the signature of this school. Oh, a thousand percent. Always, always has, has been, and always will be. And uh, as far as I'm, as far as I can imagine, always will be. I mean, if even the football team, you know, if they continue to be successful, then they'll be, a, you know, like a secondary staple. But when people think University of Cincinnati athletics, they think of. I mean, I don't talk to people really outside this freaking city, but they think of UC basketball, if anything. If anything. You know, they don't think of UC football. You know, they might go, oh, hey, you guys went to the Peach Bowl. But, like, I feel like the history of Cincinnati basketball is probably... It's ironic because, as a state, we're football and baseball. Because people know people know us for the great football talent that we have and baseball Hall of as Fame. Well. Yeah, Pro Football Hall of Fame. They don't, think of, they don't think of us as a basketball school because we have Indiana next door to us. Yeah, but Indiana hasn't been the same since... Uh, well, it's interesting because Indiana and UC have, have first-year head coaches next year. Oh, yeah. That is... That. And North Carolina. Oh, that, And yeah. Arizona. Look at that. I mean, think about... Think about the number of schools that are going to have first-year first head coaches. Uh, the schools I just mentioned, excuse me, us, Indiana, Arizona, and North Carolina. I mean, those right there are four of the winningest programs in college basketball history. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, I mean, it's a lot to think about. I'm trying to think of who else is going to have a first-year head coach that's a prominent program. I, I think I've named all four of them. There's none that I can think of. Really, um, I have to be able to squeeze forty-five good minutes out of this. Well, even more than that, if you add the time in that we were doing before this. Oh, so yeah. we're at fifty-five minutes, really. We're just about a normal show. Yeah, I think we've I think we've touched on I every think topic. We have. Oh well, the Bengals obviously have the Ring of Honor now, so there's that. There the that was a significant moment for this team and yep. a very positive one. Paul Brown and Anthony Munoz being the first two, as well they should be. Being the first two inductees. Anthony Munoz is the greatest player in the history of this franchise. No ifs, ands, or buts. And, and he's an Paul, offensive lineman. Yeah, and Paul Brown being the founder of the team and the owner. If he if he was not one of the first two, there would have been an issue. Yeah, that's fair. Paul Brown is one of the most legendary figures in all football. Period. Period in the end. When you think of football in Ohio, Paul Brown is the first thing that should come to mind. That's the first... Well, the Hall of Fame. Maybe. The Hall of Fame, Paul Canton. Brown, who founded two teams, by the way, one and of, had one of which is his namesake. Correct, and the other, I mean, he's got he's got the name his name bared on the stadium. Now, so the way it works is um, the next two that will get in the inaugural class alongside Brown and Munoz will be determined by a fan vote, which is uh, season ticket holders. That's a great way to do it. Get to vote. So I will be one of them voting. I don't take that lightly. I'm taking that very seriously. So is it every year or? We don't know. We don't know how it's going to work. We don't know if it's going to be every year. We don't know if it's going to be every other year. We don't know how many people are going to get in every year. It's going to be on the east facade of the stadium. I'm not sure if they're going to do it on both sides because when you think ring of honor, it's on both sides. Right. It's a ring. Um, If I were voting right now, my my two would be Ken Anderson and Boomer Esiason. And I put Ken Anderson, obviously, is going to get in. I mean, he's oh, the, oh he, can it? Yeah, how can he, he not? He should yeah. be in the Hall of Fame in Canton. Um, greatest quarterback in the history of the franchise. MVP in 1981. Went to the Super Bowl that year as well. 
And then, obviously, a lot of people want to see Ken Riley because of Chad how... Chad Ochocinco. Chad, he will be in as well. Or if, Chad Johnson, I should if say. If he's in, Hoosh should be in as well. Yeah. I would even put Carson Palmer in there. Um, I would, too. I mean, look, people give Carson Palmer a lot of crap. You can't. I mean, he... I mean, They give him crap for the way he left. But yes. I, I have never blamed Carson Palmer. No, him. how can you? I mean, my dad's mad at Carson Palmer about all that, you know, drama or whatever. You know, he was like... Because Carson Palmer's... did. I don't know. Like, did he say something about the fans when he left, or I don't. I don't remember all that he said. All I know is that he was mad at Mike Brown, and he, you know, Mike Brown ultimately didn't give him what he wanted, and he said, "Just trade me." Well, Mike Brown doesn't do trades, as you know, and he was stubborn, so they held on to him until October, and finally they traded him to Oakland, then Oakland Raiders in October of 2011, when the Bengals had Andy Dalton. Yeah. Already is the quarterback. It was a very, very ugly ending. Yeah, um, and he was a great quarterback. He had, he had a lot of potential here. It's just... Yeah, I will say this. And he he's given Cincinnati a lot of praise as a fan base, as a... as a Not so much as an organization, actually. He, the problem he I have with Palmer, and this is, the, this is the comparison I also make between Palmer and Joe Burrow. Palmer doesn't have a personality like Joe Burrow. No. Palm, Palmer is so... Um, what is it? He he kind of has a shell around him. Doesn't really let his personality very bland. It's not. It, it's it, it. Aaron Rodgers has a better personality than Carson Palmer. Right, he's the host of Jeopardy. Yeah, Aaron like well temporary Carson. He was just so robotic, and he was a great quarterback. Don't get me wrong. Oh yeah, I loved Carson Palmer when he was here as a quarterback. He was a fantastic quarterback. He had a cannon for an arm. Could throw the ball in the tank windows, and that's what ultimately cost him a lot of interceptions. In your dad's defense, Palmer did have a real—he did not have a great 2010 season. 2007, he threw, what, 20 interceptions to 23 touchdowns. That's not very good. No. So, people people claim that—my uh, family claimed that Carson Palmer quit. No, he didn't. If you're frustrated, you give your all to a team and, a, and, a, and an organization, a franchise, and a city. Why would you, you know, want to stick? Oh stick yeah, around? oh yeah. If Mike Brown, who Carson Palmer gets a contract extension after the 05 season, he's like, oh, we're gonna get John Kinnison as my backup quarterback. We're gonna get a GM, and yeah, nothing happened. And you know That's how many playoff appearances they made after 2005 with Carson Palmer? One. Yep. And they lost. But I, I would put Palmer in. I would put Andy Dalton in. Really? He took us to five straight playoff appearances. You know what? And I he holds I, numerous franchise records. I guess I can't really... Yeah. I You know, I guess, yeah. AJ Green will be in. Oh, AJ Green will be in. You know what's a shame? Because if he hadn't been hurt, he could have been a great player, and I would definitely... Oh, if, him in. if his injuries didn't plague him throughout his career... Well, I was not talking about him. I was talking about Tyler Eifert. Oh. But yes, AJ Green also had some injuries. But I'd still put him in because when he was when he played, he was spectacular. Oh, he was a game changer for this you for this franchise. Me? Yeah. So you're gonna have multiple wide receivers. Boomer to me, I'd put the two quarterbacks in because it's the most valuable position in sports. Boomer was charismatic, yeah. athletic, and the 1988 NFL MVP took the Bengals to the Super Bowl. You have to put those two guys in. I feel like yeah. Ken Riley's gonna get in as well because I mean he had what. However many however many interceptions he had in his in his career, um, who else is going to get in? Tim Crumry will get in. Former defensive tackle, Chris Collinsworth. 
People have thrown that his name out there a lot. He hit on my mom. I remember you telling Fun me. Fun fact. But and you can go back and look at the stats to determine if he should get in or not. But I'm just thinking about the recent players. Andrew Whitworth should be in. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of guys you could say should Stalwart be in. Left tackle. Let's get the obvious guys out of the way first, the most deserving, and then we'll kind of get into the more recent players. And I understand it's long overdue, but we can appreciate this now because this is a this is a critical time for the Bengals. I was thinking about this the other week, or the day the Ring of Honor came out. The ring, you, you know, the, there are generations of Bengals fans. This generation doesn't know the players that came before us. No. Because there's no ring of honor to show us. You go to Dallas and Green Bay. Minnesota. Minnesota. And any other the purple people eaters. San Francisco. And you see all these names on the ring of honor. Like, think about if you're a 10-year-old kid right now and you look up and you say... Oh, who's Rice? And your dad can tell you who Jerry Rice was. Your dad can tell you who Joe Montana and Ronnie Lott and John Taylor and whoever else is in the Ring of Honor. They can tell you who they are. You go to Paul Brown Stadium and you don't. I mean, heck, you can go to UC and there's a Ring of Honor. Exactly. This is about bridging generations of Bengals fans together. And also because we have a history. We've had great players here. And now we're finally going to show, you know... Multiple gener- we're going to bridge generations. We're going to show the NFL. We're going to, you know, it's a critical time because, you know, we're finally honoring our past. Well, we also have an optimistic future here with Joe Burrow. You know, I think Kobe- Give that man whatever he wants. Exactly. Well, look at what we got earlier this week with Thaddeus Moss. Yeah, that was interesting. Great move. I mean, I said to Preston earlier today, are we turning into LSU up here? Because it almost makes me think that now we're going to draft Jamar Chase. I would hope so. If we turn into the 2019 LSU Tigers, I'm all for it. Golly. I mean, here's what I'm Bring doing. Bring in Joe Brady or something. I don't know. <laughs> Brian Callahan should be making calls to Joe, excuse me, Joe Brady and Steve Ensminger about Thaddeus Moss and Jamar Chase. And Zach Taylor should be doing the same thing because Zach Taylor, I does he still call the plays? I think he does. He probably does. He got better last year, I will say that. But it, it, it's just... Finally time that the Bengals are doing this to bridge that gap of generations. You know, the franchise is at a crossroads. Joe Burrow's coming back. They have the franchise quarterback. They have a good team right now. I think COVID and the pandemic and the fans being away so distantly from the team, it might it might have changed the way Mike Brown thinks a little bit. I <laughs> I know you would. I know you. I have high doubts about that. But I I just feel like, you know, four years ago, Jeremy Rao tweeted this from Fox 19. He gets to pose the question about Ring of Honor, and he kind of dismisses it like it's no big deal. Now, Ken Riley passes away. He gets left out of the NFL Honors Tribute where they show the, um, good God, the Warriors crushed the Thunder tonight, um, where they show all, all those who passed away in the last year, and Ken Riley's left off the list. And you think about Joe Burrow, and you think about the fans and how engaged they are in the team now because they have Joe Burrow, and that Mike Brown realizes that, okay, you know, fans didn't come the year before COVID. They definitely didn't come last year. They're going to come back this year. We need something to, you know, get them excited to come back here, bridge the gap of generations, and that's why they're doing this with the Ring of Honor. Or he said, what gives me more money? Give me more money. Maybe he did. 
But I'm going to look at it from the way I just told you. I, I know you and Mike Don't trust Brown. him. I don't trust him. I, I don't either. He's a sneaky son of a gun. Eh. eh. Guy made us pay for a whole stadium. Well, that, that wasn't very good. I will say that. But this is but this is a critical development in this at this stage in the in the Bengals. You know, he hasn't done much in thirty years. This might be the best thing he's done in thirty years as an owner. Which is kind of sad. Yes, but we should appreciate that this is happening. And think about, you know, oh, um, Dave Lapham will be in the Ring of Honor at some point. Hell, Dan Hort should be in the Ring of Honor. I would say give Dan a little bit more time. You know who else I put in there? You're gonna, and you might think I'm crazy. I'd put Marvin in there. I can't disagree with that. I think a lot of fans would, but I see why. Uh, it makes a lot of sense. Marvin gave us hope. He, Marvin the- did a lot of things that people don't appreciate. They just look at the bad times. Yeah. Which, granted, I mean, that's that's normal of a Cincinnati fan. We didn't win. I mean, we got to the playoffs seven times in 11 years. The Bengals have only had... I mean, Marvin had seven winning seasons in the other... In 18 years... In 16 years, or In the other uh, 37... We only have 11 winning seasons. So you don't like Marvin Lewis, and yet he might be the most successful coach in franchise history. It's kind of like a Mick Cronin. I always compare him to Mick Cronin in the sense that, you know, they did great things in the regular season, you know, and they got us to the postseason. It's just that lack of success in the postseason that was just so frustrating. And because this city hasn't won much in in the last 30 years, that's all we choose to focus on. Well, I mean, I think, I would almost say rightfully so. I mean... When Zach Taylor was first starting here, I always said, okay, Zach Taylor can't even win win you a game. Marvin could win you six games, at least least six games a year. That's true. Marvin Lewis won eight and eight his first two seasons each. Zach Taylor hasn't won eight games in two years. That's, yeah. Well... I guess, but uh, you got to think about what he... Well, I guess Marvin was taking over. I I would put Marvin Lewis in. I guess I can't disagree, but um, anyway, uh, Joe Burrow should, one, Joe, Joe should just go in right now. Uh, he should just be the leader of the whole yeah, franchise. About, about, uh, he should be drafting everybody and yeah. you know firing, get a GM, whatever. Just give Joe Burrow full reins. Give him the keys to everything. Give Luke Fickle the reins to everything here. I'm all for that. Anyway, uh, ninety seconds left. Another thing is that the Bengals are revealing their new uniforms yes. next Monday. So very excited. That's exciting. Um, hopefully they don't turn out to be minimalist garbage uh, like a lot of teams do. Um, hopefully it's a good jersey design. We've seen a lot of concepts. and uh, NFL draft is in two weeks from tomorrow. NFL draft is two weeks from tomorrow. That's in Cleveland this year. It is. So that's interesting. Um, it's one hell of a downgrade from where it was supposed to be last year. <laughs> but, uh, well, it took place in Joe Burrow's basement. or Well, for Joe Burrow it did. Um, that actually was cool to, to watch all the, you know, to see the players at their houses and the coaches. It was interesting. It did provide a new perspective. Made for interesting TV. I mean, I remember Roger Goodell was just literally sitting in his chair. Yeah, that was funny. People up. were booing him and stuff. That was funny. Oh, they'll boo him this year. Oh, they'll boo him every year. <laughs> it's hilarious every time they do that. It's so funny. But anyway, thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, don't know if we'll be back next week or the week after. We don't really know. We kind of just go based off how much news and content we have to go by. Um, so just keep an eye out for our content and we'll be back eventually. Again, we just don't know when, but keep an eye out in the meantime.
Go Bearcats, go Bengals, go Reds, go whoever the heck say, you root did, for. Did you say go Bengals? Good for you. Well, okay, I mean, they're inside the 275 loop. Yeah, that is true. Whoever you root for, high school teams, I don't care. Go them, unless you're a St. X, Muller, or LaSalle fan. <laughs> See you next time, folks.